Today on this edition of the Forest City Church Podcast, teaching pastor Chad Brugman has part five of the Life After series with a message titled, Dancing with the Divine. It's going to be such a good day at church, uh, whether you believe that or not, uh, God and I have already decided, so you might as well join in. You guys with me? Let's do this. Let's uh, talk about the elephant in the room right away so it's not a distraction. Yes, I grew a mustache since the last time I saw you. Just get it out of the way. I did it for one reason only, and it was to bother my wife. It didn't work. She kind of likes it a little bit. <laughs> I promise you this thing won't be on me next time you see me, but I did do it for uh, just a week. And so I'm just getting that out of the way because every time I look in the mirror, I'm like, whoa, what is that creepy guy doing right there? I kind of feel extra powerful though with it, if I'm not kidding. But that, that's neither here nor there. I, I want to start with, are you guys, let me just ask this. Are you guys in the mood for some good news today? That's what I do. I get the privilege of preaching good news, right? This is what exactly the word gospel means is good news. And that's what we're going to do today. And my heart is so full on this message. The problem, though, is I've got way more notes than I've got minutes. And so I'm going to try to jump in as fast as possible. But Jessica had me all fired up this morning when she was singing to us and reminding us who we are in Jesus Christ. You guys know what I'm talking about? Can I just remind you uh, what you think? about you doesn't matter. (laughs) And you go, that's not true. No, no, no. What God thinks about you is what should matter, right? Like, because nobody talks more trash on you than you. Nobody has to live with you more than you, right? And so uh, it would be crazy with all of the bundles of thoughts and the jumbled thoughts and the sometimes schizophrenic feeling thoughts that we have to go through on a 24-hour basis to put our hope in our thoughts about us, right? My hope is completely in what we just sang, right? You are a child of God. You're chosen. You're not forsaken. It really is. These aren't cliches. These are truths that Jesus not only came and reaffirmed and told us, but he proved it by shedding his blood on the cross for one reason and one reason only is that's how he feels about you. So can you just let your soul this morning just rest for a little bit? Can you let your mind off the hook this morning for a little bit? And can we just sit and bask in the goodness of the fact that on our best day, God loves us no more than on our worst day? It's like me with my kids. My ki- I got four kids. They're all crazy in their own ways, right? And, and, and my love isn't predicated upon what kind of day they're having or not having. My love is predicated on the fact that they bear, minus the mustache, they bear my image, right? And there is something so powerful Parents, come on, you're with me. No matter how frustrated you are, no matter how angry you are, disappointed you might be with those kids in a particular moment, you'll start to see them smile the way you smile, or you'll start to see their eyes that look just like your eyes, and there's something that draws your heart back to those kids immediately, and you know what that is? They bear your image, and we know right out of the beginning from from Genesis 1, you bear the image of God. He loves you and is committed to you to the point of his son's death on a cross. So we are just going to rest and we are going to bask in some good news today. But here's the deal with good news. This is the rub. You cannot have good news if you don't also have bad news. It would just be news. And nobody, we, we got enough news as it is. We got fake news. We got crazy news. We got news nonstop, right? I want good news, but to, to, to really understand and sit in the fullness of the good news of Jesus Christ, we have to sometimes first juxtapose it with the bad news about some of the truths of the reality we're currently living in. 
And so I want to start this morning with a phrase that I have said. I'm not proud of this, but I've said this more than once about more than one person. And I think if we're honest in church today, we might as well. We're in church. Let's be honest. You've probably said it before, too. It's this phrase. I love them, but I don't like them. You guys know what I'm talking about? None of you have teenagers. What? Like, like, right? Like teenagers. I love my son, but I don't like him today. Right? I've had that moment probably twice this week with my two teenagers. I love them to death forever. I would take a bullet for them in a millisecond, but I don't like them today, and that's okay. I'll like them tomorrow, but not today. Not the way things are going. Well, I'll be honest with you now. I have some verses in Scripture that I can say that about, and I'm about to, to read one. I love the verse that I'm about to read to you, but there are many days where if I'm being just honest, and God already knows my heart, so I don't, I don't have any fear in just being honest right now. If I'm being honest, as much as I unconditionally love this verse and am committed to the truth of this verse, there's some days I just don't like it. You ready for the verse? Because it, it's perfect, and, and we've already been using it in this series, Life After, as we're talking about being people of resurrection. It's Romans chapter 8, and it's verse 11. And the Apostle Paul says this, The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. Who wouldn't love that, right? But, but a lot of times I'll hear that, and I'm not up here the, the one preaching it. I'm the one having to listen to it. And every time I hear a preacher say that, or every time I'm in my private time and I read that in the scriptures, I have mixed feelings. Here's why I love that verse. It speaks to possibility. And I'm a person, I'm, I'm competitive, I like to compete, I like to achieve, I like to accomplish. And so when I hear someone tell me that the same spirit that had the power to raise Christ from the dead now lives in me, that just screams to me that the possibilities in this lifetime are endless and it gets me excited. It makes me want to wake up, it makes me want to exercise my faith muscle, it makes me want to start believing for greater things to happen. I love that verse. And at the exact same time, when I hear that verse, there's part of me that doesn't like it. Because not only does that verse, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me now, not only does that verse speak to, poss to, to the possibilities that we have as human beings, you know what else it speaks to? Reality. Because I'll also hear that verse and go, man, I, I know what resurrection has the power to do. And I look at my last month and it looks nothing like that. I look at the power of Christ and all that Christ accomplished and all that Christ did and all who Christ was and how Christ lived and how Christ treated people and how Christ kept his whole being in perfected check. And then I'm told that that same spirit now lives in me. And then I look at how many times I don't keep my thoughts and behaviors in check and my words in check. And I think about all the times my faith seems to fail me instead of succeed for me. I think about all the times my doubts are bigger than my beliefs throughout the month, and I start to have to, I have to wrestle with this tension between what's possible as disciples of Jesus, but then also what reality is. You guys know what I'm talking about? And it creates this tension. And here's the bad news, because we're gonna spend almost the whole time on good news, but the bad news is this. On this side of the grave, that tension's never going away. Wah, 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 right? Thanks, thanks for coming to church. Thanks, Chad, that's great. No, I'm, I'm just here to preach to you some truth, though. And the truth is, 
and the Bible makes this explicitly clear, on this side of eternity, that tension's not going away. In fact, my blue-collar yeoman's definition of tension is just when, when possibility and reality collide, right? And life is an endless state of tension, and it is not ever going to be away, go away. Jesus sat in this tension. We know that Jesus, right, was fully God while he was here, but we also, and it's hard for our minds to understand, but he was also fully human simultaneously. And there's a couple moments where Jesus' human side is just, it's just right out in front of him, and I love it. Because it reminds me that, yes, he's God, but he, for 33 and a half years, chose to become fully human. And in this moment, we'll see Jesus being about as human as he's ever going to be. There's this moment where his disciples come back to him, and they report that they went out and they tried to do all the things that, that, that they saw him doing, and that he told them to go and do. And he empowered them to go and do it, and they come back and say, it didn't work for us. And, and Jesus, you know what he says? This is, this is such a human moment. He's frustrated. It's almost like this, I love you, but I don't like you right now. I'm not saying that was Jesus' heart. I'm not going to speak for him. But you can almost hear it because you know what he looks at him and says? He says, oh, you of little faith. And then he says something even harsher, it sounds like. He goes, how long must I put up with you? <laughs> Parents, now, now you feeling better about yourself, right? Oh, you of little faith. If you, if you, here's what Jesus is saying in that moment. If you only knew what was possible. If you could only learn and grasp and tap into what is possible, how long must I put up with you, right? And we got to remember, Jesus is just being fully human in this moment. If we're going to give him permission to be God, church, we have to give him permission to be human, right? And in this moment, you just, you can hear, there's another moment where he's, he's feeling the tension that I'm talking about that doesn't, he didn't get to escape the tension that I'm talking to you about today. There's this moment where he's on a, a hill overlooking Jerusalem and he's getting real close to his death and he's just sitting under the weight of this broken, fallen world and just how much stuff has to be done in order for his kingdom to come back down to earth in its fullness. And he's sitting on this mountain overlooking Jerusalem and the Bible says he just starts to weep and he starts to lament. And I'm paraphrasing here, but what he says in that moment is basically, oh, Jerusalem, and he's, he's speaking on behalf of all of the body of Christ when he says Jerusalem, but he goes, oh, Jerusalem, if you only knew what I had for you, if you only knew what was possible, if you only knew what could be if the kingdom would really take hold of this earth again. And he's frustrated in that moment because there's tension. And listen, that tension's not going away. Don't take my word for it. Uh, Matthew, or excuse me, John, Actually, let me go back. Follow your notes, Chad. That's why you wrote them in the first place. I wrote in my notes this. Put, put this up here. On this side of eternity, tension is not a problem to be solved. It's a reality to be stewarded. As long as your parents, tension's never going away on this side of eternity. As long as you're a kid, it's not going away. As long as you steward finances, can I get an amen? amen. Tension's not going away on this side of eternity. As long as you're participating in work or a career, tension's not going away on this. As long as you have a boss or you are the boss, tension's not going away on this side of eternity. As long as you choose to put yourself in community of broken people pursuing a perfect God, tension's not going away on this side of eternity. It's not a problem to be solved. Heaven's going to solve that. 
But on this side of eternity, it is something that we have to learn to steward. Jesus speaks to this. He says, in this world, John 16, 33, in this world, Forest City, you will have trouble. Thank God there's not a period there. He could have just said that and went, yeah, that's true. Walk away. Because it is true, right? He's speaking to reality, but he finishes with possibility, right? Let the tension begin. He says, but be of good cheer, which means this. You can be in some real trouble today if you're sitting in here right now and, and, and we knew your story and you're going, I'm in some big trouble today and you can still be of good cheer. He says, but be of good cheer. Why? What's the motivating factor? I've overcome this world. The fight's fixed. The game you're still in the middle of, but guess what? We win. We just do. And he's asking us to hold on, to find our hope, to find our peace, to find our joy, to find our passion, to find our trust. We find it not in the fact that everything on this side of eternity is going so great for us, but that there is a hope that we have that we lean into and that we do not give up on. And that's what I'm going to talk about for the minutes that I have with you is this. The, 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 the way we live, the, the greatest thing we can do to sit in the tension that is not going away on this side of the grave, which is we all know that we are capable and that there are so many greater possibilities than we're currently living, right? Or is that just me? I hate that as a person that wants to do well, as a person that loves to achieve, as a person that, that, that wants to really do something that matters in this lifetime. I constantly wrestle internally with this fact that I am never living up to what I know is possible. Never. On my best day of Christ following and human goodness and kindness, I've never once felt like I've even came close to reaching what is possible in me through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so how do you stay sane and how do you stay, like Jesus said, of good cheer when you're still having trouble and tension in this world? And, and, and the, it's, it's a one-word answer. And it's, a, it's, it's, it's risky to give you just a one-word answer because this word, if we're not careful, can become so diluted in the way we use it in our English language. But the word is this. Put it up there. It's hope. The writer of Hebrews literally calls hope our anchor. Right? When the storms of life are tossing you to and fro in any particular way, come on, we all walk in here and we got some type of wave trying to crash this boat of your life, right? It's just, it's just the world we live in, trouble. And the writer of Hebrews says, you want to anchor yourself in those waves so while they may come at you and attack you, that boat doesn't sink, that boat doesn't tip over. Here's what you do. You relentlessly hold on to hope. But hope's a dangerous word because, like I said, it's like love. We use it in such generic fashion, right? I love Jesus with all my heart. I also love ice cream, right? And so there's this, this, this cheapening of the word. I, I hope in Jesus, right? But I also hope for the Bears to win more than three games this year. It's like, like we, can, we can dilute this most substantial and important word in the kingdom of God. And there's this one, there's so many nuances to this word hope. And so I'm just gonna talk about one because I, I really believe it's the most important aspect of hope. It's not the only one. We could do a whole series just on the word hope and what it means. But I'm going to talk about one that I don't think it's talked enough about in church. I'm going to talk about what Paul calls in Titus 2, the blessed hope. There's hope, and then there's 
The blessed hope. And you know what the blessed hope is that he's talking about in Titus chapter 2 when you read it in context? He's talking about heaven. You remember the last time you heard a sermon in church on heaven? Right? And I'm guilty. I'm not up here like I'm talking about aren't I great? I hardly ever talk about it. And I think this is not a good thing because this is going to be our address and our existence for a literal eternity. But there's a lot of misconception. There's a lot of bad theology. There's a lot of anxiety when you start to talk to people about this issue of heaven. But why do we need to talk about the issue of heaven? I'll just start with a really fundamental reason. I read a stat this week. It's, it's sobering. The, the, the current mortality rate in America, do you know what it is? 100%. Don't you think we should talk a little bit more about this? This issue of dying, this issue of death. You know, we're all not, I'm going to give you good news all day, but remember I said we have to juxtapose it with bad news. Here's the bad news. After you hit puberty, the day after puberty starts, you are decaying. (laughs) We're getting older and uglier, people. Look at this mustache. I'm uglier than I was a couple weeks ago when I got up here. It's happening. It's real. And we humans, man, we have this odd relationship with death. And I understand that because I feel it, but I think if there's anyone that should have the most intimate relationship with death, shouldn't it be people who, who, who subscribe and believe with all of our hearts that death has been conquered, that the grave has been overcome? So let's talk about it. Let's not ignore it. Let's talk about it. In fact, there, there's a, a phobia, literal, a literal phobia called aranophobia. And you know what it is? It's the fear of heaven. And it's not just a fear that a bunch of atheists have. They don't even believe in heaven. It's not that agnostics have. It's a fear that Christians have. And I don't think it's, it's, it's for all the reasons that need to be. I think it's because we, we are afraid to look into this issue of both death and eternity because our minds right now are bound by time and space. Man, eternity will start messing with you when you think about it. What, are, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day, Paul says. What if you're having a bad day, right? There's some days I just want to be done with it. You ever go to bed and say, we'll try again tomorrow? That's me about every third day. My wife and I look at each other after rough days and we say this every, new mercies tomorrow. That's, that's our hope because this day was an L. Put it in the L column. We lost this one today. Just ask my kids. We lost this one today. But we have, we have hope. There's a, a literal phobia because we have misconceptions. You're not going, let me just clear a few up real quick. You're not going to be a fat baby hoping that that cloud holds you up for an eternity while you play a harp. Half of you don't even want to hear a harp or like a harp or no harp, right? That's not what it's going to be. Some of you guys, this is, this is one pastors use a lot. Well, if you don't like to worship a church, you're sure going to hate heaven, Right? And we are going to make no mistake about it. We are going to sing and it is going to be amazing. It is going to be beautiful. We are going to, I'm a quick pastor plug and I'm proud of this. Do not miss tonight. I promise you, do not miss tonight. Literally the last time we had one, I sat probably in the middle back over there somewhere and I spent half the time crying like a little baby and it was beautiful. I walked out so much lighter than I walked in. The Spirit of God was here in such a profoundly beautiful way the last time we gathered. It's one thing to come to church Sunday morning because it's what we do. It's another thing 
to show up on Sunday night just because we want to together as the body of Christ just unapologetically without hindrance lift up the name of Jesus? If for, and other things are going to happen. Uh, God's always doing beautiful things when his people gather. But if for no other motive tonight, then we just come because we want to together lift up the name of Jesus and honor and worship the power and the presence and the name of our King and our Savior. Don't, just please don't miss tonight. I don't want to make you feel guilty. I never want to be that pastor. I don't want to manipulate you. I'm just asking you with every ounce I have within me, please do not miss tonight. It's going to be beautiful. Bring peanut butter and jelly as well. We're going to help some people eat. It's going to be beautiful. Heaven's not a lot of what we've been told it is, and so I'm going to do this real fast. I don't know what time. Okay, 937. Let's go, Chad. People got places to be. I'm just going to read you a bunch of verses. I'm going to, this is hard for me because I'm a talker, but I'm going to try and not give too much commentary because instead of my broken, flawed commentary, I'm going to read the Bible, which is not broken which is not flawed. It just is what it is through the Spirit of God. So I'm just going to start with the question about heaven right now. What's the current state of heaven? Because we all got friends and loved ones there. Can I give you a side note? You also got some enemies there. Prepare your hearts. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. God's kinder and bigger than we think. Some of your enemies are going to be there. Praise God. If not for Jesus anyways, right? Heaven right now is not what it's going to be. Stick with me, okay? Right now, those we've lost, those we love, are currently spirits. They do not have their bodies yet. Make no mistake, we'll read it here in a second. We are all getting new and forever indestructible, incorruptible bodies. Eternally. They're going to be magnificent. They're going to be dynamic in in ways that are still mysterious to us. We don't fully understand even close to what these bodies are going to look like. But right now, our friends and family members are spirits waiting for us, waiting for Jesus, the final culmination of all things, to resurrect everything, including heaven and including earth. And then we will all together put on those resurrected bodies. Now, if that bothers you right now, if that makes you feel like maybe they're not doing as good as they were because we knew them with bodies, Trust me, they are all, and I do not say this condescendingly because some of you have just recently lost someone. So please hear my heart when I say this. They are all doing better than us right now. For those of you mourning right now, I'm not worried about who you're mourning for. I'm really worried about you because you're the one still down here in the tension. The people that you're deeply mourning doing better than all of us. What I'm worried about is your heart. I'm worried about your soul because God's, God's trusted you to still stay down here and steward the tension of loss and death. But don't take my word for it. Listen, listen to what the Bible says in, in, in Philippians chapter one. Paul says this, to depart and be with Christ is by far better. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the apostle Paul tells us he went to heaven. He goes, whether it was a vision or or whether I was literally there, I'm not even sure. But here's what I know. And then he starts to talk about it. And then in Philippians, he says to, to, to be with Christ is by far better. And that's not just him saying that by faith and theory like we have to. That's him going, no, I've been there. It's by far better. To live is Christ, he says, and to die is what? Gain. 
It's a commencement into something so much more beautiful. 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says this, to be absent from the body, this is good news for those of us who have lost loved ones, to be absent from the body is to be present with our Lord. What could possibly be better than the presence of our Lord constantly, nonstop, in perfected fashion? That's the current state right now. Luke 23, 43, we all remember this. Jesus is on the cross, and that guy asks in faith if he could go with Jesus wherever he's going. And what's Jesus's, and how awesome is Jesus? How kind is Jesus? Literally, a guy on a cross with no resume of any type of good, Nothing but indictments. And in one faith-filled statement, God, could I go where you're going? Jesus, can I go where you're going? Jesus' immediate response to him is, I tell you the truth, today, today, you will be with me in what? Paradise. This is where our friends are. Our loved ones are because of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. So we got heaven right now that's a little different. We're going to have the future and final heaven that we're looking forward to. We're getting a new heaven and a new earth. Can I tell you that? I didn't grow up hearing that a lot. So I started getting scared of heaven because it was always painted as something so much more different than anything I could wrap my mind around. I'd start to get scared of it even though I heard it was good. Because we don't like change. We don't like the unfamiliar, right? And it made it sound so unfamiliar, but listen to me. Uh, Isaiah 65, 17 says, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. 2 Peter 3 says, By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Skipping down to verse 13, it says, But in keeping with God's promise, here's some really good news, we are looking forward to a new heaven But this is even cooler to me, a new earth. And this is the best part, what makes it so great. Righteousness dwells there. Perfection, an inability to sin. No more brokenness, no more shame. Randy Alcorn in his book, Heaven, writes this. The present heaven is a temporary residence where the departed saints live until the return of Christ and our bodily resurrection. The eternal heaven, the new earth, is our true home, the place where we will live forever with our Lord and with one another. The great redemptive promises of God will find their fulfillment on the new earth, listen to this, not in the present heaven. Once we abandon the assumption that heaven cannot change, it all starts to make sense. This is super important you hear this. God does not change. He is immutable. But God clearly tells us in his word, heaven will change. Revelations 21, 1 through 5 tells us what that changed heaven and earth is going to look like. Just a glimpse. Listen to this beautiful language. John, in his vision of, of God in heaven, said this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. He said, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, meaning God's talking, saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And then one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. You ready for this? I cannot wait for this. Talk about hope for whatever you're going through today. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning 
for those of you mourning today, anything today. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying. I love this one too. There will be no more pain for the old order of things have passed away. He who is seated on the throne, this is God. I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and they are true. And I got to pause for a minute before I start reading a bunch of scripture again. I have prayed over this message for almost two weeks now. I had a break last week from preaching, so I got some extra time to percolate on this particular message. And there were two categories of people that God put so strongly on my heart. And I not only want to speak to you today, I hope we minister to you today. Two of the things listed that we are not going to have anymore is mourning and pain. And just based on statistics alone in this room, there's people walking in here that are in a profound state of mourning right now, maybe because of a recent loss or even a loss 10, 20 years ago that you still just, just need so much of God's healing for. And there's also people in here, secondly, who live with chronic pain. And you deserve to be seen today you deserve to be empathized with today and you deserve to be ministered today. So can I just do this real quick? Can we, can we just break and have church for a minute? Isn't this what we do? Yeah, some guy or girl's always supposed to come up and preach and give the word of God. That's an important part of church. But we are called the priesthood of believers. Meaning I'm no more a priest than you are, right? Under the new covenant, we all get to do the priestly duties. We all get to do the priestly work. We all have a place here to minister to each other, and that is what we as the body of Christ are called to do. And so I just want to start by talking to those of you who have lived for, whether it's been a month now or whether it's been 30 years, those of you who, unfortunately, you live with chronic pain in any part of your body. And up to this point, you have not received the healing that we believe for and that we pray for. If that's you, would you, would you honor us as we're going to honor you? If you can, unless your pain doesn't allow you to, would you just stand real quick? Because I want us to know what kind of room we walk into. I want to know what people go through. If you're in here and chronic pain is a part of your story, would you just stay standing? Stay standing. Start looking around, people. Keep standing. Nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing to be embarrassed about. Look at this. This is our church. Stay, Stay standing. This is our church family right now. And every day... To some degree, they sit in the tension of nonstop nagging pain. Can you imagine that? You ask my wife, I'm the biggest baby, you know. I get sniffles, and I'm in bed, and I'm crying, and I'm asking her for stuff. My wife's so tough. She gets birth to four kids. She just looks at me with disdain when I'm sick. Because I'm like, I cannot imagine what it would be like to go through chronic pain. And so I don't want to pass this moment too quick. So I'm going to ask that we're, going to, we're not going to just come to church today. I'm going to ask that we're going to be the church for a minute or two. Can we do that? Yeah. And can we just start praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ? In fact, I'm going to ask you to do something. If, if you're uncomfortable or if this is new to you, being un, that, that's not the point. I, I don't want this to be distracting. But if you've done this ministry thing for a while and you're comfortable with it, would you get around some of the people you're sitting by that are standing up? And if they're okay with it, would you put your hand on their back or their shoulder 
and we're just going to lay our hand. The Bible says that those of you who are sick, call on the elders of the church. And the prayer that's offered in faith will heal the sick person and make them well. I don't understand all of the implications of that. I don't understand the full mystery of the sovereignty of God. But I do know that it's good to obey the word of God, right? And so we're just going to do that right now. For those of you in chronic pain right now, I hope as these people surround you and all of the people that aren't, but, but are, we are with you, I hope you feel loved right now. I hope you feel peace right now. I hope you feel cared for right now. For those of you in chronic pain right now, would you just, just look at me real quick, look at my eyes? I'm so sorry. It just sucks. It's okay to say that. That's not an anti-faith statement. It's not an anti-hope statement. Read the Psalms. David started about every third Psalm with it just sucks right now. He doesn't end with that and we'll continue. But we're just gonna pray for you right now. Jesus, I'm just asking on behalf of everyone here and we ask in the name of Jesus that you would bring such comfort to every single person that stood up that is dealing with chronic pain right now. Jesus, you said to pray that more of heaven would come to earth. And I'm asking right now, according to your command, that more of heaven would come to earth. I'm asking that you would touch these people's infirmities, that you would touch these people's bodies in the name of Jesus. Jesus, would you be our healer right now? Jesus, would you be our father right now? Parents that watch their kids go through pain, it's, it's an awful feeling, so I can't imagine your heart right now for these people in chronic pain, Jesus. And I'm just asking that you would pour out your presence and you would pour out your spirit in such a beautiful way. Could we taste a little heaven today, Jesus? We're just asking as your kids, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, would you heal? Would you help? Would you console? Would you bring encouragement to them? Would you reinstill in them a sense of hope today? Would you remind them of the beauty of our blessed hope that it's not gonna be like this forever? There's gonna be a day when our bodies are indestructible and they are incorruptible. But in the meantime, I pray that through their pain, God, you would be so kind to them. And through their pain, you would show them the purpose in that, Father God, in your sovereignty. We just pray this prayer of faith and we lift up our brothers and sisters. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. And everyone at Forest City said, amen. amen. Thank you guys for being the church. Thank you guys. Don't, don't get too comfortable, y'all. There's people in here mourning. And it's okay if it's been 10 years. It's okay if it's been 20 years and there's this deep void in your heart for someone you're missing, a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, a dear friend, a colleague. Here's what's even crazy, mourning a child. Remember when Jessica was up here singing to us, leading us in worship, singing I am a child of God, how beautiful that was how authentic it was, how real it was. What many of you don't know is that she has a six-year-old son named Seth who's been given, I mean, according to the doctors, no chance to live. We literally talked about it today and she said it's, it's where they're literally like, it should have already happened, it should have already happened. And, 
every day is a gift between Jessica and Seth. But barring a miracle from God, him choosing to heal him on this side of eternity rather than the other side of eternity, it's inevitable. That's real. That's that's just one person in our church. And, and she's up here kindly and graciously and authentically, passionately leading us in worship, telling us who we are in Jesus Christ. You can't do that without hope. She was this great declaration of my heart for you guys today, which is we can have trouble in this world and still be, excuse me, of good cheer. You guys know what I'm saying? It's possible. It's this hope, but, but how crazy to have hope without heaven. This eternity of beauty and no death, mourning, crying, or pain if you're in here. And I need to keep going, but I feel this deeply. I've been praying for you guys for two straight weeks. If you're in here and you're just in a season of, of mourning something deeply and it doesn't matter what it is, the human heart knows what mourning is, right? Can you just stand? Can you have a vulnerable moment? Because we want to minister to you right now. We want to pray for you. We want to believe for you. I believe the presence of the Holy Spirit is going to bring some sweet relief to your very burdened soul right now. Don't be afraid. This is real life. I know it's vulnerable, but if not us, who? And if not if not now, when, right? We're here to minister to each other. Stand up. I'm so sorry. Whatever your story is, I'm so sorry. Those of you standing up in the back there, I broke my glasses. No broken, no glasses in heaven. Thank you, Jesus divine LASIK coming our way. Sir, I don't know your story, but I know what it feels like to mourn. And I just say, whatever your story is right now that's caused this, I'm just sorry. From one brother to another. Yeah, from a younger brother to an older brother. I'm sorry. Yeah. Fifteen years, you mourn the loss of your wife. You all hear that? with tears, genuine deep tears. It's been 15 years. What in the world would we do without hope? What's your name, sir? Joe Adams. Adams. We love you. you. We are for you. And we are sorry with you. And we are called to mourn with those who mourn. Do we get to dance and celebrate with those who are, things are going well? That's fun too but we mourn with those who mourn. I mourn with you today, sir. I mourn with you today, ma'am. I mourn with you too there. I mourn with you. I mourn with you. In the back, mourn with you. Anyone over here, we mourn with you. Those standing up in the back for whoever you've lost, just deeply sorry. Can we do this again? Let's be the church. Come on, let's burn some calories in church today. Let's get up and let's minister. Can you go around those people? And just with a kind-hearted hand on their back or their shoulder, a hug, whatever it is, whatever people are okay with, we want to lift these people up. We want to ask that the God who says his burden is easy and his yoke is light would begin to minister in the name of Jesus. Yeah, let tears fall. We're going to have an eternity without tears. Now's the time. Tears are a gift. Don't be afraid to cry right now. Have your moment. 
Tears are the toxicity of the soul coming out. It's a relief. It's a gift. Tears are a grace. God, Psalm 56 says, is bottling up every tear that you will cry, and he will show them to you someday in heaven as a memorial that he knew what it was like to be you. And He care, you think I care right now? He cares so deeply. He's bottling your tears to show you how much he cared someday for what you're going through. We have a creator, and we have a king, and we have an Abba Father who so loves you right now, those of you who are mourning. So come on, church, let's put our faith together and let's pray right now. Jesus, would you just continue to do a healing and a redemptive work right now and everybody who stood up who is mourning right now? Jesus, would you begin to lighten their souls? Would you begin to lighten their load, Jesus? I pray right now that you would minister out of your love. Let us fill the Father heart of God right now. If we've ever needed that Abba that Paul talks about in Romans 8, we need you right now, God. Jesus, just meet with us. Holy Spirit, meet with us in such a precious way right now. Would heaven come down right now? Everyone mourning right now, we lift you up in the name of Jesus. We honor your story. We honor the path you're on right now. We ask healing and lightness for your glory, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. You guys can be seated again. We love you all so much. Jessica, will you come here? Jessica's not feeling well today. I don't care. We, we were talking earlier. She goes, don't get near me. I'm sick. I'll, I'll, I'll run the risk because she deserves a hug. You guys know what I'm saying? She deserves a hug. Come on, Mama Bears. There's, I've, I've just watched my wife for 19 years now. There's nothing like the tenacious heart of a Mama Bear. Nothing. We dads do our thing. We care deeply. But there's something profoundly unique about what God puts in moms over their children. This is why you don't mess with the, the, a bear's cubs. And it ain't the male bear that the writer's talking about. It's the Mama Bear, you know what I'm saying? And your cub has been messed with. We are with you. We are for you. The way you sang that about us today on, the, on behalf of God, we speak that over you now. We minister to you now. I know you're used to being the strong one who's up here ministering to people, but right now we as a church minister to you and your son, Seth. Can you guys do this if you're comfortable? Can you just reach out your hand? We're gonna pray for a miracle for Seth. Just a miracle. Jesus, I... One of the greatest mysteries is how you work with healing, God. I'm not gonna get up here and act like I got this all figured out or there's some formula. All I know is your heart, Jesus. That's the one thing I come to confidently is your heart and your heart is for life, not death. Your heart is for healing, not hurting. And we just pray right now for that sweet baby child. We pray right now, God, that whatever's broken in his body, whatever's causing this terminal illness, Holy Spirit, would you infuse him with so much of your presence right now, even as we're praying for him, that something would change, something would shift. Holy Spirit, would you do miracles? And Jesus, in the meantime, as we pray in faith, we pray for Jessica, God. We pray just, just a, a divine calm over her heart, a divine trust. 
God, really let, let her trust in you with all her heart. And of course, she can't lean on her own understanding. None of this makes sense. I pray, God, that you would give her a peace that passes her understanding, that transcends everything and goes straight to her heart and straight to her mind and that she could walk light today. She could be full of your presence. She could be full of your trust, God. Jesus, would you just give her a, a sweet way of letting her know that you know and that you are with her and that you are for her and that everything happening with Seth right now, you are sovereignly on the throne and you are deeply connected to that story. We ask healing because you told us to. With every ounce of faith we have, we prayed in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Love you. Love you. Yeah. So here's what's crazy, and I don't apologize for this. I, I had probably 20 more scripture passages, um, and that's okay. I was going to talk to you about the new bodies we get. Can you just trust that I did, I've done the Bible homework? So 2 Corinthians 15, if you want to know about your new bodies, it's just full of really, really good news especially those of you who have just lost loved ones or are still mourning your loved ones, go to second, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians, not second, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is Paul's longest discourse on what our resurrected bodies are gonna look like. It's awesome. It's mysterious, but we do know some things because guess who came back for 40 days resurrected? Jesus. Guess what? He had a body. And guess what? He had flesh and bones and he could hug people. He could touch people and he could eat with people. <laughs> he ate with people. We're going to eat in heaven. Isn't that good news? There's one point where he walked, he walked into a room where the doors had been locked and shut. He couldn't get it. He did some X-Men stuff with this new body. And guess what? We're getting bodies just like that. I don't, I'm not going to say too much because I don't know if we're going to walk through walls or walking, but I just know this. It's going to be like nothing you could even fully imagine right now. For those of you in chronic pain, just wait. You're getting incorruptible, indestructible bodies, pain-free. We are going to eat in the kingdom of heaven. I had so many verses. I'll just read one because this one excites. This is the heartbeat of Forest City right here when it comes to things we're passionate about, like racial reconciliation. Listen to this verse. You think it's talking about food, but it's talking about unity. Uh, Matthew 8, 11. Many Gentiles will come from all over the world. This is talking about once we're in heaven, east and west all different cultures, all different colors, all different backgrounds, all different lifestyles will come from the East and West and sit down with who? The Jews, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to do what? Eat at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. Think about that. You know, the, 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 the Babylonians that know Jesus in heaven, that, that went to war and imprisoned the Jews are gonna eat together in heaven. I don't know how all that works as far as salvation's concerned. I'm not gonna act like I can give you all those answers, but I do know this, our, a lot of our enemies are gonna be in heaven. And we're gonna eat together and there's gonna be perfect forgiveness and there's gonna be perfect healing and there's gonna be perfect unity. These people of different races, these people of different cultures, we're just gonna effortlessly sit down together and have dinner. Every culture, Democrats and Republicans in heaven are gonna eat together effortlessly. Can you even imagine? Bears fans and Packers fans are going to, well, I'm not going that far. I don't know if heaven, I don't know if heaven's that good. No, they're going to eat together effortlessly. It's happening, y'all. 
And again, I did my homework, so just trust me on this. There's going to be laughter in heaven. There's going to be dancing in heaven. And on this new earth where we're going to be, where Jesus is going to sit in a throne in Jerusalem, and we are going to effortlessly, flawlessly, without any shame, without any deceit, worship him. There's going to be music we know in heaven. There's going to be art in heaven. There's going to be culture in heaven. There's going to be food in heaven. Well, what about my animal, Chad? What about little boo-boo? Because I'm mourning my pet. I get that. I'm a dog lover. I don't know if cats are going to be in heaven, but dogs that we know, I don't know. I know. I don't know. We don't are told specifically about our pets, but here's what we know. Let me just read this. Isaiah 11, six through eight. The wolf in heaven will lie down with the lamb. Wolves aren't doing that with lambs right now. Sin created this thing called the food chain, right? And it has caused a lot of horrific disruption and death. That's not happening anymore. The wolf, like they were originally intended to, will lie down with the lamb again. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling all together. And the little child will lead them. No more zoos, no more bars, no more walls. You know how much money I've spent at the zoo because of having four kids? And every time I'm there, it's amazing looking at these majestic animals, but you have to live in the tension of there's a wall between us. And I hate it. I hate it for me, I hate it for my kids, not someday. The child are gonna lead them. I don't like this one. The infant will play near the cobra's den, but it's gonna happen because those cobras aren't looking to hurt anyone anymore. The young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. And so 2 Corinthians, Paul wraps it up with my heart for the whole day. Go ahead and put that up. Here's the goal. Here's the moral of the story today. We, Forest City, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. I love that it tells us the truth, getting older and uglier. Outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. Even the most difficult things that you stood and we prayed for, I hope by faith you can believe this, they're achieving something right now for the glory of Jesus. Your pain is attached to such purpose right now. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is just temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is, this is the word of God saying, please hold on. And the last group I talked to, I saved for last because this is the most important. Because some of you, even if it's a few of you, you walked in here today and says, well, what's this heaven thing look like? What do you, what do, you do? And can I just tell you, Jesus is in charge of the, the invitation list. Thank God it's not us. And, and he so loved the world, the world, everything in it, because he's the creator of all of it. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever, whosoever should believe in him, listen to this, believe in him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This stuff, heaven, we've been talking about. Revelations, last chapter, listen to what it says. The spirit and the bride, for those of you wondering how to get to heaven, listen to the heart of God. The spirit and the bride just say, come, just come. Let the one who is thirsty 
come. Let the one who wishes to take the what? Free gift of the water of life. Those of you wondering about heaven, those of you wondering about Jesus, those of you wondering about salvation and eternal life, can I just give you the best news on planet earth? It's a free gift. You have to do nothing to earn it. Nothing to deserve it. Nothing to qualify for it. Again, look at the thief on the cross we talked about earlier. He made one statement of Jesus. It was authentic and it was faith-filled. And it was one sentence. Can I go where you're going? And Jesus said, yeah. Come. Come. That's the invitation today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, before we end this beautiful service with a beautiful song called the Revelation Song, since we just read out of Revelation, I want to ask if you're in here and you've never received the saving work of Jesus Christ, the Spirit and the Bride, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they just say, hey, please come. We want you there. We want you with us. We've done everything that needs to be done to procure your eternal salvation. So I just want to ask if you would like to put your faith in this finished work of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we get to call on the name of the Lord. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, Romans says, that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. It is a free gift. If that's you in here, would you just raise your hand? We want to pray with you. If that's you, yes, sir, I see you. Thank you. Keep your hand up. I see you in the back. I see you over there, sir. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Anybody over here? I see you. Yes, sir. I love it. Folks, we had church today. Can we pray for these hands that were raised? Jesus, we just ask right now that that invitation would not only be received, but that invitation would be deeply felt. God, your word says the Holy Spirit tells our spirits when salvation takes place. It confirms it. So Holy Spirit, right now, for these people who have their hand raised, would you just confirm it in them? Would you, Holy Spirit, begin to fill them with what Jesus called streams of living water flowing out of them? Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for these hands that have been raised. We thank you that heaven got a little more crowded today. We thank you that there's more than enough room for anyone and everyone. And now, Jesus, if you guys will go ahead and stand. Jesus, my heart is this. I hope as we sing these words to you that we would be so present. I chose this song to end with. It's an oldie. Some of you who are newer to church won't recognize it. Some of you millennials will say never heard it. Some of you who've been around the church are going to be really blessed by it because every time, the reason I wanted to do it kind of selfishly, every time this song gets played, my heart just gets soft for Jesus. Every time this song gets played, something beautiful happens in the atmosphere because we are just lifting up the holy name of Jesus Christ, the author, the finisher, and the perfecter of this thing we talked about today, heaven. So Jesus, would you just be so blessed in these next few minutes by what comes out of our mouths because of what's in our hearts today that you've filled us up with. We give this time to you. We thank you for your word. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Chad Brugman with the message Dancing with the Divine, which is part five of the Life After series. Thanks for listening.